Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, so we're going to get right into our talk today. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 15. Woo! Yeah, book of John. We're going to go right there, and we're going to talk about gardening this morning. We're going to talk about working the land. God's going to work some land in here today. Amen. I believe he's already worked some land this morning in the first service. I believe he wants to do it again. So let's go ahead and read. We're going to start at the top. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He props it up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Go ahead and highlight that in your Bible. Bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the children, or as the children. I'm talking about children. Come on, Chris, get your mind right. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless, a, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Go ahead and highlight that in your Bible as well. Circle it, whatever you need to do. Just know that God wants you to bear more fruit and much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How much can we do without him? How much can we do without him? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. If they reject me, if they don't follow me, he is rejected, he is withered, he is gathered and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and my words abide in you. What abides in you? What has to abide in us? His words. Why is it important that his word abides in us? You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Go ahead and highlight that again. So you will be my disciples. How will we know who is his disciples? By the, by the words, right? How will we know that the Father is glorified? He's glorified because we are his disciples, right? And we bear much fruit, and his disciples bear fruit. Verse 16, you, can, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that you are taking us into an imagery of your holy vineyard. We thank you that you are cultivating greatness today, that there is greatness coming out of your vineyard, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the words that you put in my heart today. I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that people will not see me. They will not just hear my words, but, God, I pray they will hear you and see you in a way that they've never seen you before. I pray that truth would go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. So something the Lord's been speaking to me about on John 15. And as just to lay a little bit of a ground, a little bit of groundwork for John 15 in the context of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus in Matthew in John 14, he's talking about how he's going to the Father. He has taken his last supper with his disciples. He is going away. His disciples are asking questions. They're saying, Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus is saying that if you if you you would know the way, if you've seen me, you would know the Father. So he's saying that that 
you know me and that I'm a reflection of the Father, therefore you will know the way, or you should know the way to the Father. So he's teaching them this great truth. He talks about peace. He's leaving peace with them. He's giving them peace. He's leaving his peace. So he's giving all these things, and then right at the very last of John 14, Jesus says, let's get up out of here. So Jesus takes them into this place, and I can only imagine where Jesus is going. You know how Jesus sometimes, he just, you just never know where he's going to go, where he's going to drop, what he's going to illustrate, use to illustrate his character, his nature, his attributes. And he comes up to this vineyard, and I can just see Jesus. He's in this vineyard, this holy place, this innocence, this genuine, gen, this vineyard that he, that he is walking his disciples by. I don't think it's by accident that he's walking his disciples into this place of a place to teach them about producing fruit. And he walks through there, and I'm just, I can just picture Jesus just running his hands through the fruit. And he probably even looks, and he sees this branch that is, that is down, that is, is not maybe producing fruit, and he props it up, and he gives it life. So I can just see Jesus, I mean, just imagery of Christ of, as he's just walking. He's illustrating this moment. Because he's saying to his disciples that I want you to bear fruit. And as I was thinking about this, I feel like the Lord really wanted me to impart today that in our own lives, that he is preparing and he is perfecting his vineyard. This is an hour. I can see it. I can see the, the, the ten virgins, the parable of the ten virgins, that five of them had oil and five of them did not. Some had fruit and some did not. And I can see this imagery and he's saying today that he is perfecting a vineyard. He is perfecting an end time vineyard. He is perfecting a vineyard that will produce fruit for him. So he goes on there. And so we're going to go through. And I felt like the Lord just wanted me to walk through the events about what he's seen in this vineyard that he was planting and that he was pointing out to his followers. The first thing is, as Jesus said, that I am the true vine. That almost tells me that there may have been another vine. Can I tell you this morning and ask you and propose a question? What vine are you connected to? If Jesus is the true vine and you say that you're connected to a vine, then what, can, what vine are you connected to? Are you connected to truth? Are you connected to things that are bringing validity to your identity for who you are? Is your actions, your character, and your behavior changing? Is it any different? And I think that's the question that Jesus is proposing to myself. Am I being transformed? You cannot be connected to anything other than Jesus and not be and be transformed. He's the true vine. The, the true vine means that he's true. He's truth. He's genuine. So who are we connected to this morning? Who are we connected to this morning? He is unfaded. He is not fictitious. He's a true vine. He's the source. So many times, I don't know about you, but so many times we get our source mixed up with God. That we begin to listen to so many other sources. See, there's all kinds of sources that we can go to. There's all kinds of sources that we can follow. There's all kinds of platforms that we can go after. But the one that is true is the one that is genuine. 
the one that will, that will produce something and transformative in your life. Does it mean that we're all perfect? No, it does not mean we're all perfect. It means that we have to be connected to the right source. That's the number one thing. Number two is we are the branches. So how do we produce fruit? If he's saying that we are supposed to have much fruit, more fruit, and remain fruit that remains, how are we supposed to do that? Well, we have to understand, one, that he's the true vine. He's the source, that we are the branches, and we are his vessels of presence, of his presence. That we are his vessels in earthen bodies, carrying his presence, what has been in What has been put inside of us is a reality that needs to change the expectation externally. It's hard to change external circumstances if you're not doing anything internally to see that changed. That's why we have to be connected to him. I know sometimes it seems so elementary, but I find my life so many times going after the wrong sources. Sometimes it's popularity. Sometimes it's fear of man. Sometimes it's that religious spirit that wants to come upon me and you have to shake that thing off. And you have to say no to religion. You have to say no to checking the box. You have to say no to just hearing a cookie cutter sermon or coming to the church and saying, I'm going to live for God on Sunday but live for the devil through the week. When we get connected to the right source, something inside should change. If it doesn't change and it's not producing good fruit, then it's probably not the connection that we need to be connected with. So we're his vessels of his presence. Number two truth is he's the vine dresser. Can I tell you today that God is dressing his bride? More than ever, I know it's hard for me to picture myself wearing what he's putting on me, But we've got to take a position that we are his bride. That's the truth. We are his bride because the Bible's clear that he's coming back after his bride. His bride is his church, and he's coming back for us. The vine dresser, he's dressing the vine. He's the husbandman. I like the old King James for you King James people. He's the husbandman. The husbandman. He's the farmer. He's the He's the one that works at the field. He's the land worker. He's the gardener. He's gardening. Will you allow God to garden you this morning? Will you allow him to perfect something that he's always wanted to perfect in you? There's something inside of you that God wants to do more. But it's only when we're connected to the right source, understanding that we're in the right vineyard, And that we are his branch. I think it's interesting that Jesus says there in verse 5, he talks about the branches. It's plural. I think it's interesting that he uses branch 1 through 4 and then in the other 4 through 8, he uses branches. I think that almost only speaks to unification to the church. It doesn't speak to one group. It speaks to all. Here's how we know today. I believe Jesus is very passionate about his vineyard and producing fruit. And here's what I know. Here's why I know it because his word says in Matthew 5, 13, it says, He answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant will be uprooted. 
That means that if there's another plant that's been planted, it is not of God and it will be uprooted. That's why it's very important for us to be connected with the right source, with the right model. Jesus says, I'm the source and the model. The model is, is just like he said, I'm the model of my father. The things that I see my father do, I do. Did we see Jesus do anything that said will happen on Facebook? No, they didn't have Facebook then. Instagram, whatever, social media, platforms. We didn't. Jesus was so passionate about being connected to his father that everything that his father did, everything that his father said, that's what Jesus said. That's the kind of person that I want to be. You say, that's not attainable. It's attainable if we're connected to the right source. Because if we're connected to the right source, then we're not going to hear and participate in things that are lie. We're only going to participate and say things that are true. We're going to walk in truth. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7. The reason I know he's passionate about fruit is he says, be aware of false prophets. Be aware of pretenders. People that pretend foretelling. Going through the motions. Checking the boxes. I think that God is looking for more than that. He's looking for people that are not pretending to be his disciples. He's looking for people that are connected to a source and genuineness. He's after the genuineness of our hearts. Be aware of false prophets. It's not just be aware of something that someone may say. It's being aware of someone being aware of something that is pretending to be something, but their inner reality is different. There's so many indoctrinated, untrue things that are being indoctrinated in our culture and our society. But if we're not connected to the right source or looking to the right model, we will be deceived and led away. We've got to be connected to the source. We've got to be connected to the right doctrine. And the doctrine is his truth what he says in his word. Verse 15, it says, religious imposter. It also talks about religious imposter. Be are false prophets, pretenders, religious imposter who come to you in sheep's clothing. These people here, they have a great appearance. They seem to be genuine. They seem to be innocent. They seem to be gentle. But they're all about self-gain. They're all about platforms. They're all about promotions. They're all about getting the, very, the, big, the, next, the very best next thing. And he goes on there and he says, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, figs, or thistles. Next time you come there, come to a plant just called a thistle. That's, if you don't know what it is, just call it a thistle. Are they? He says, so every good tree bears good fruit. What does a good tree bear? Good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. That tells me that there's a good tree and there's a bad tree. There's a good source that we're connect- we can be connected to and there's a bad source that we can be connected to. So every good tree that bears good fruit, every bad tree that bears bad fruit, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's done away with. So then you will know them by their fruits. How will we know 
who's going through the motions? How will we know who's pretending to have truth? By their fruits. We should measure them by their, tr- by their fruits. The Bible teaches us that, that what comes in our heart normally proceeds out of our mouth. You stick around people long enough, you'll know what source they are connected to. By what they say. By what they speak out of their mouth. Right? Am I saying we're perfect? No. Do I say always the best thing out of my mouth? No. But I wish I would be more applicable to his word. I wish that I would be more conscious about being connected to the right source. Sometimes. Ephesians says in 5 and 9, it says the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Jesus says in Matthew 21, this is how he's, he, he is very interested in the fruit in this hour. Now in the morning, as he entered this to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree, it wasn't a buffet. It wasn't a smorgasbord. But Jesus was looking for fruit. He seen a fig tree. He came to it and he found nothing. And on it, the only thing that he seen was leaves. It wasn't bearing any fruit. He said, let fruit grow on you never again. Never again shall fruit be bared. He cares so much about the fruit that we bear in our life. Much fruit, more fruit, and fruit that remains. And then Jesus kind of walks us through the process. He says, every branch that is in me that bears fruit, he props it up. That's in me that does not bear fruit, he props it up. In other words, he brings it up off the ground. And if you know anything about a, a gardener or a, um, a vine, you will know that that's what they do. They bring it up off the ground, and he brings it up to himself. That's what, the, that's what the husbandman does. That's what the vine dresser does. He brings the branch to himself so that it can produce, produce more fruit. They also say that 80% every year that, that a vine dresser will come and cut off about 80% of a vine. And the reason that they cut off 80%, you say, well, why do they cut anything off? Because if they don't cut anything off, then last year's harvest could grow wild. They cut 80% so that it will produce and have longevity. I think that's what God's after in this hour is he's after people that are looking for the long haul. They're not looking for something that is just for the now. They're looking for something that's longevity. They're looking for future growth. They're not looking for just religious mindset. They're looking for things that will sustain them to the end. We got to be connected to his source. We got to be his branch. And we've got to allow the, the farmer to work the ground. To work the ground. It's painful sometimes. And Jesus also goes through the process of his vineyard. And he says there, we'll go through that. He says in every branch, in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he props up, he takes away. The word takes away is not actually takes it away, but he props it up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Welcome to the pruning season. How does God perfect his vineyard? He prunes it. Why does he prune it? So that it would produce more fruit. 
Is God mad at us because we get pruned? No. First thing that we need to understand about pruning is Satan does not prune you. Jesus prunes you. The enemy cannot prune you. God prunes you. And we'll see that here in just a minute. That God prunes us. Why does he prune us? He prunes us so that we will have productivity in our life. Some of us, sometimes we might say that the enemy is not pleased with us. God's mad at us. But pruning is a time of refocusing. It's a time of moving into something. So if you know anything about a vine, you know that pruning has to be in the process. You have to prune the vine in order for it to produce more growth. How does God do that? He says he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. How are we already clean? Because of what? The word. It's the word that makes us clean. Jesus said in John 17, 6 and 17, it says, They have kept my word, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. His word is truth. We are sanctified. We are set apart by his truth. How does he prune us? He prunes us whenever we embrace pruning through his word. Many times what we look at is whenever his word begins to prune us, the enemy wants to come and bring condemnation, which drives us from God. But God's word will, will always bring conviction, which will draw us to God. Let me say it like this. That conviction through God's word should draw you to him. Condemnation that comes from the enemy will draw you from God. It's from him. Hello there. See, that was God speaking right there. He was saying, amen. That was his way of saying, preach it, brother. Actually, I heard him say that was my word. No, just... He said, I'm washing you today in my word. That's what he said. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Matthew 13, or Matt, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, but as it is true in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So it's the word of God that works in us. It's not what people say that works in us. It's the word of God that works in us. So he's the one that does the pruning. Sometimes, let me just say, that pruning sometimes can be a painful opportunity. It can be painful sometimes. It can be something God may ask us to simply lay down something for a season. He may ask us to step out of something for a season. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's something. I don't know what it may be. I'm not going to try to say, but sometimes it can be a painful thing. But it's only so that we would produce more fruit. Because God wants to take us from glory to glory. Faith to faith. And sometimes the only way that God does that is through the pruning process. But too many times we get a religious mindset that we get comfortable with the way that we are. When we get comfortable, then we don't embrace the pruning. Then we begin to stay the same and bear the same fruit over and over and over again. If we want our actions, behavior, and our character to change, pruning has to happen. Let me just say this. According to his word there, at some point in time, every one of us will be pruned. 
we can't escape the pruning process. The only thing we can do, if we try to escape it, then we're saying, we're saying that basically we are rejecting what God is wanting to do in our life. Because he wants to produce more fruit in our life. He wants us to have longevity and growth. It also says in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives. This is your moment right here. If you haven't told your wife you love her, this would be a good time to do that because it is biblical. Love your husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. How does he wash his church? By the word. How does he wash his branches? By the word. He washes us and cleanses us by the word. But the problem is, too many times, we're not looking to the word. We're looking for words. We're looking for other words that come from other sources. But God is saying, I want to clean you. Sometimes it's like we're asking other people to tell us what we think God would say. So we're looking for words to justify some kind of behavior or an attitude or something just so we can stay where we're at. Because maybe we're comfortable. But when we go to the word, the only word, the only truth, he begins to prune us. He begins to purify us. He begins to cleanse us from anything that may be going on in our lives. How many is ready to be pruned? Ah, Jesus. Jesus takes the disciples through this process and he says in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. The word abide means to stay, continue, dwell, endure. We've heard that a lot lately. Endure, remain, and live. To stay, to continue, to live, dwell, endure. It's something that is repeatedly it's not something that we had on an event. Something that God began to speak to me is, is we get so caught up in eternal security that we need to be more concerned about internal security. Because what we want to do in our religious mindset is we want to say a prayer and we think that's going to be enough to sustain the things that God is calling us to do. That's why he wants to prune us and bring us into a place of abiding. I think if there's ever a time right now that if we want to know the direction and bring leadership to our families, husbands, I'm calling us up to a place of abiding. Continue, stay, endure, no matter if it gets hard, no matter if you want to quit, no matter what it looks like. He's saying to remain and live in union with me. That's what he's saying, in union. He says that apart from me, you can't do nothing. So we got this illustration here this morning. I was going to want to show you. It's a very simple analogy that Jesus is saying in the Passion Translation, he says that abide in me, abide in life union. There's a life union that happens. That when we get born again and we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life, that we become in life union 
with him. Do you know what abiding is? Abiding is a position and a posture that we take as a dialogue with God. We stay, we continue, we live, and we remain. It's a position that we take. But many times what, we have, what, has, what happens is we take ourselves away from life union with God and we think that we can do things on our own. I'm just being real. Maybe I'm the only person that's ever thought that I can make, do something on my own. I didn't need God's help. But as long as we are abiding in him, as long as we are not separated from him, as long as we don't separate ourselves from God, as long as we are in union and position in him, our inward actions, behavior, and character should reflect that position that we are in. If we're not seeing a transformation, if we're not seeing things change, then we've got to get back to the place of abiding. Abiding is not an event. It's abiding is not a church service. You abide. If you, want, if, you, if you want to bring greater leadership, if you want to be the husband that God has called you to be, you've got to abide. If you want to be the father that God has called you to be, we have to abide. We have to abide for our families. When we are not in union with him, It's going to be hard and difficult and challenging to reinforce what God has put within inside of us to produce more fruit in this hour. It's a life union with Him when we are connected to the source, when we know that we are His branches, His vessel that He wants to flow through. Because many times what happens is We get to a point that when we try to do things on our own, that's when the spirit of anger may come in. That's when bitterness may come in. When we abide, the things that used to bother us is not going to bother me anymore. I'm going to wave at everybody with all my fingers, not one. Come on. When you're understanding that you know that you're abiding with him, then what's happening inside of you, there's a voice and a source saying that person that cut you off in traffic, bless them in Jesus' name. We laugh. We laugh. There was a moment. I'm, I'm going to ask the Lord if I can tell this story. He said not to tell names. Anyways. There was a moment that happened recently that I was angry about something and I was not abiding. I don't know about, I don't know if some may not know my story or history or, what, or story or my testimony, but I used to have a really bad fits of anger. Would just, I mean, just like that, for no reason, little things would just set me off and I would do things punched things. When I was in eighth grade, I punched a wall and broke my hand about a dodgeball game. Turned around, threw a basketball against the wall because I was mad and broke my hand again. Fits of rage. 
I had so hard, I had a hard time controlling it. So there was a moment a couple weeks ago that I had this, this fit of rage begin to come back. I didn't, real, I didn't realize that I was not abiding. In that moment, I knew what the Father was telling me to do. I was connected to the source, but I chose to be separated. I had a choice how I was going to respond to that situation. And then when I was confronted about my anger, I began to justify my behavior. Don't ever justify your behavior whenever you know you're in the wrong. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong. Just admit it. But I realized that I was not abiding. It was one of those moments that God said, if you would have been abiding with me, you were abiding with me, you were connected to me, but you allowed the source of anger to separate you for you to respond in a situation that you never intended to respond And that's one moment. That's one thing. Sometimes it's so simple, but when you're somebody like me that's dealt with fits of rage, you don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back to that place. That's not a place that you want to go back to. Maybe it's an alcohol addiction. Maybe it's drug addiction. Maybe it's maybe whatever it is that may be going on in your life. Maybe it's a fence that you're carrying your life. When you begin to abide, God will begin to show you your response. In verse 16, Jesus says this. To close out, he wants us to bear more fruit, much fruit. And fruit that remains. Verse 16, I want to just speak into some people right now that you feel like that you've been forgotten. Maybe it's right here in this sanctuary in Carlinville, Mount Carmel, wherever you're watching from, Erod's family, that you think that you've been forgotten, that God has forgotten about you. I want to remind you of your assignment today. I want to remind you that God has not forgotten about you. He has equipped you. He has empowered you. Verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Who chose who in this relationship? Jesus chose us. Even whenever you cannot choose yourself. Maybe there's some here that have sounded my voice that you can't even choose yourself. You're not even happy with yourself. But let this revelation get into your heart that even when you don't choose you, God chose you. Even whenever you don't feel adequate, I want to speak to a mother today that you feel very inadequate as a parent. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He says, I have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. What did he appoint us to do? Go and bear fruit. To carry fruit. To bear it. To live with an awareness and a consciousness 
and that your fruit should remain. God is looking for fruit. He's looking for, he's perfecting his vineyard. He's perfecting his bride. He's coming back for a spotless lamb. He's coming back for us. Those that are born again, those that have accepted him into their heart. Church, I want you to understand that there is no time for not abiding. That God began to speak to me about this, that that we're going to abide in something. We're going to abide in something. We're going to bear fruit one way or the other. Our life is going to be a consistent, repeated of bearing fruit. You're either going to produce good fruit or you will produce bad fruit. You will produce negativity or you will be positive. So I don't know about you, but God has placed that assignment on our life. He's saying, I've appointed you and chose you. I've chose you and ordained you. He didn't give you a platform. He didn't give you a ministry. He didn't give you to to speak a message. He said, I've asked you to go and ordained you to bear fruit. Fruit that is worthy of the kingdom. When we get in alignment with the right source, that is fruit worthy of the kingdom. Are we going to miss it from time to time? Yes. But we can't stop abiding. We cannot stop. You say, well, that may be, that's work-based religion or salvation. That's not work-based. That is me being conscious and aware that I need to abide because if I don't abide, then what comes out of me is not kingdom fruit. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.